for Thursday, August 13th, 2020. This is Did You Wash Your Hands? We're a podcast from WABE answering the questions everyone's asking during the COVID-19 pandemic. I'm health reporter Sam Whitehead. Today, with no end in sight to the coronavirus outbreak, a small southwest Georgia community will soon be losing its only hospital. We're having budgetary woes and because of the thin operating margins we have and a declining population, it's just with COVID, it was just a perfect storm. Steve Watley, chairman of the Randolph County Hospital Authority, joins me to discuss what COVID-19 meant for the Southwest Georgia Regional Medical Center and how it led to the decision to close the hospital's doors. That's next. You love free, and at Ameris Bank, so do we. That's why we're proud to offer worry-free, hassle-free Ameris Bank free checking. Manage your money your way with convenient access to digital, mobile, and telephone banking, all with no monthly service fee or minimum balance requirements. At Ameris Bank, we're with you. For more information or to open an account, visit our local bankers in person or online at amerisbank.com slash free checking. Other fees such as overdraft fees may apply. Ameris Bank, member FDIC, equal housing lender. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Support for WABE's local coverage on maternal health and mortality comes from Georgia Health Initiative, whose mission is to inspire and promote collective action that advances health equity for all Georgians. Learn more at georgiahealthinitiative.org. The small southwest Georgia town of Cuthbert is losing its only hospital. Last month, the Randolph County Hospital Authority announced that Southwest Georgia Regional Medical Center would close in October. The facility has been struggling financially for years, says Steve Watley, who chairs the hospital authority. But then the pandemic hit, causing even more trouble. Steve Watley joins me now to discuss what happened next. Just to start, tell me a little bit about this hospital, how many patients you generally serve, and and kind of its role in the community. It's a critical access hospital, Sam. Actually, it was the first critical access hospital approved in Georgia back in the 90s as a 15-bed acute care critical access hospital. It could hold up to 25 beds, depending on, you know, how the person was coded. But up until COVID hit, we were probably averaging three to four patients a day. And we shuttered the hospital off for several weeks because when COVID hit, it hit our nursing home and affected our staff. And we had, at one time, had 31 staff members out. So we made a decision to put the hospital beds on divert because we didn't have enough staff to staff the hospital and the nursing home. So uh, approximately 10 weeks, I think, we kept those beds on divert, had our uh, emergency room on divert also. Now, since our cases have flatlined a little, we have opened the hospital back up until, you know, the plan close, closing, which is October the 22nd, and now we're you know, averaging one or two patients a day, somewhere along in that average. 
What does the kind of healthcare and hospital landscape look like in, in Cuthbert and in, in Randolph County when it comes to how easy it is to get to a doctor or, or a hospital? The hospital authority has three entities, uh, a nursing home, a clinic, and the hospital, which has a, an emergency room. Before COVID, we were probably seeing about 650 to 700 people through the emergency room. Since COVID, figures has dropped down to about nine or ten a day, so we're talking about like 300 a month now. It's a very, it's still a very important part of the of the healthcare piece in our county is having a hospital. But when we have decreasing population in our county, as we do, and the healthcare picture has changed tremendously, and in a rural area like this where you have high Medicare, high Medicaid high charity, high indigent, you're writing off roughly about 65 cents of every dollar you charge. So you're operating with a real thin piece of the pie, and it's just not able to survive as a hospital. For the last four or five years, our hospital has big-time struggled financially, but we were able to survive through different programs. But now our physical entity, the plant, the hospital itself, is uh, in need of about $10 million in repair. So that was kind of that and COVID were the kind of final blows. That need for those repairs, I mean, that was prior to the pandemic. So what was y'all's financial picture? What did that look like before earlier this year when all of a sudden the pandemic came on? Oh, there's no doubt we were struggling already. Uh, But COVID was kind of the proverbial straw that broke the camel's back. We were struggling. Uh, because of, we knew that we had to reinvest into the physical entity, the plant, the hospital itself, and we were searching for ways to do that. And we went to some private financial institutions, commercial banking, and none of them were willing to loan us the money because we were already into, into a situation where we were having a hard time meeting the financial needs of the operation. So, you know, it's understandable that someone would not want to loan you that kind of money. And then the pandemic does come on. When did y'all first start to kind of see the effects of that? And really, what were those effects? I mean, I know the hospital authority has a few different entities. There's the hospital. There's the nursing home. So when did this really start to hit y'all? And, and, and how did it when it did? Well, you know, we have a management contract, Sam, with Big Putney Hospital. And we began to um, have staff, mainly in the nursing home, that began to be symptomatic for COVID, and so it kind of had a snowball effect. And then we had some patients in the nursing home that showed up with uh, symptoms. So we mass tested everybody in the nursing home. At that time, was around 67 patients, and we came back with about 50-plus that were positive for COVID. So we had a uh, catastrophic situation on our hands, and then we, as I told you earlier, at one time our staff was at around 30, 31 were out. So um, we began to uh, take the negative patients and move them over to the hospital side because we had diverted the beds on the hospital side to get them away from the positive patients. And ultimately we moved those patients out into other skilled nursing facilities in other towns. Later they did come back after everything began to reach some sense of normalcy. We came into those um, nursing home rooms and we created negative pressure rooms in every room through a um, temporary chiller and 
uh, had to go in and do some work in each room so we would, you know, stop the spread of the pandemic. And we had already, before any of this happened, we had stopped all outside vistas just getting preparation for the pandemic. But it came in through our, through our staff. And my understanding is that even though Randolph County hasn't had a lot of COVID deaths and cases, when you look at the raw numbers, the per capita impact has actually been a lot larger than it has for Metro Atlanta. So did y'all feel like like y'all were hit really hard by this? With the nursing home and the problem it had, we felt like it was a pretty, pretty big hit. We did. And once we got past the nursing home and all the things that they did, and they did great things to get it under control, we felt like things flattened out pretty quickly. We share a lot of resources and a lot of our people go back and forth to Albany, so it's no doubt that there was some interaction between us and some people in Albany, and that certainly furthered the spread somewhat. But once we got past the uh, emergency situation in the nursing home, we had a lot of people that had it. I, I knew of a lot of people that had it. I knew of people that died. Uh, as a matter of fact, I had, even had a classmate in the nursing home that got COVID and passed away. So, But once that flattened out and our community really, really buckled down and began to take it very seriously, we felt like it flattened, flattened out pretty quickly. Sure. And I think it is just important to note that per state records, this nursing home attached to your uh, hospital, the, the Joanne Bergen Nursing Home, state records do show, you know, dozens of cases and, and, and at least a dozen deaths they've counted so far. So certainly a, a, a human toll there. So it was last month, I believe, that the, the hospital authority in Randolph County actually made the decision to in October, uh, close the doors at Southwest Georgia Regional Medical Center. Walk me through how y'all came to that decision. We've been wrestling with this decision probably about a year when we had a uh, consultant come down and go through our physical plant and told us that our chiller was in terrible shape, our roof was in terrible shape, that we had need of asbestos abatement, that uh, we had ventilation problems. And he went through the whole plant, and he came back with the minimum of $10 million. That was probably on the low end. So we knew then that we had some serious issues to deal with. Once we began to go out and try to find the resources to do that, and we began to not have any any luck doing that, we started talking about what we could do. We made contingent plans on what we could do, but then at the level of Iowa, we had a company uh, by the name of Alliant that is a nonprofit uh, hospital that uh, manages the hospital across the, into Eufaula, Alabama, which is only about 25 miles from Cuthbert. They came in, did a uh, financial and operational assessment. They were interested in looking at us. And when they came back to us and said, we concur with y'all's decision to close the hospital. That we don't see that long term that it's viable or sustainable. So um, we've known about it a long time, but we've everybody on the hospital board wanted it to be a last resort, and it was a last resort. I want to ask too, Steve, about some money that y'all's facility did get from the federal government. My understanding about $3.9 million in money from the CARES Act. Um, I know going into this, you, you've talked about this $10 million budget hole. So I'm guessing this $3.9 million, and, and correct me if I don't have that, that figure right, um, just simply wasn't enough to plug it. That's real close. 
Right now, we're operating on a temporary chiller at the hospital and the nursing home and a um, emergency generator at a cost of about $60,000 a month. Yes, the funds did help. We've already used uh, $1 million plus to cover lost revenue that we've had over the last three or four months. What our plans are with the rest of that is to invest in a chiller because we are talking with a company now that has an interest in leasing the nursing home. We've got to get out of this temporary status we're in on the chiller and the generator, and as it looks right now, it's going to take the majority of those funds to do that, to fix that chiller and that uh, generator. We've come back again and again to this idea of just having this facility you keep talking about the chiller. You keep talking about a generator. I mean, I, I think to, to people who might not be familiar with kind of the, the straits that rural hospitals are in, that might be kind of surprising to them that really it's a it's a facilities need that's not being met. And so this hospital is having to, to close. I mean, I think people think about how hospitals are, are stressed. And I think they don't even have the understanding that for so many rural hospitals, the margins are so thin and, and the facilities are in such need of, of work that it's the facilities really challenges that, that force you to close. Well, I mean, the law says if a nursing home gets above 80 degrees, you have to evacuate. And with COVID, you've got to have these negative pressure rooms to prevent the spread of COVID. And if you've got a chiller that's outdated and run down and worn out and you see yourself in South Georgia of 95-degree days and 100% humidity headed toward 80 degrees, you, you can't just sit and wait. I mean, you don't have the money to replace a chiller and uh, you don't have the electrical system to handle the load. You go rent a temporary chiller, you go rent a generator so you don't have to evacuate those patients. That is the major challenge is the, is the condition of the facility. However, you know, we, we're having budgetary woes and, um, because of the thin operating margins we have and a declining population is just, and COVID, with COVID, it was just a perfect storm. What is this going to mean for the community to have this, this hospital shut its doors? What is this going to mean for, for, for people who live in Cuthbert and Randolph County and, and, and their, their ability to access care once, once Southwest Georgia Regional closes its doors? Our intentions are at this point right now, Sam, is to continue operations of the nursing home through a, a, a company that comes in and leases it. And we are also going to lease out the clinic, the doctor's office. And we've sent out request for proposals on that and part of that request for proposal is asking these interested companies to operate this clinic is uh, what other services they can offer such as therapy radiology uh, you know additional services so we're going to try to plug every gap we can with what's left the nearest hospital is Eufaula 25 miles away and then the next is Albany 45 miles away and then the next is uh, Blakely's 30 miles and then Columbus is 60 miles we're going to try to meet the needs the best we can with what we've got left, and that's through the uh, clinic. Everybody's concerned about the loss of the of the hospital, no doubt, because 50 jobs are impacted. But on, once I don't want to, I'm trying not trying to lessen the concern of the close of the hospital. But a major major concern is the close of the emergency room, and you know that's. Something that we're really, really working hard to try to see if there's any way that we can temporarily keep the emergency room open 
or could we transition to a urgent care or to extended hours for the clinic uh, to help fill those gaps that is going to be lost by the closing of the emergency room. We've seen over the last decade any number of rural hospitals close in Georgia. Did you expect the hospital in your community to be one of those hospitals? And what do you think is happening here that, that really is putting these hospitals in these positions where they have had to close their doors? Yes, and if I saw it coming, yes, I've been on the board for 26 years and probably 20 of those years has been concerns about financial concerns. So, yes, I can't say that I did not see this coming, uh, but it has certainly accelerated over the last five years. There's numerous things that have led to what I think has led personally to the closure. Number one, population decline. Number two, uh, going way back when NAFTA hit and we lost all of our apparel plants, you lost all the people that had insurance. We have a you know a disproportionate amount of Medicare, Medicaid people in, in our community. Um, you know, people have asked me would have expanded Medicaid have helped. I can't sit here and tell you that it would have saved us, but it would have certainly helped. Loss of population, loss of commercial insurance, loss of our industrial base for, for, for many reasons. Um, the numbers just don't add up like they once did. Are you concerned that the added pressures of, of the pandemic could have similar effects on other rural hospitals that are also struggling. I mean, I, I talk to people who work with y'all, lobbyists and, and, and advocates, and my understanding is that, you know, a lot of rural hospitals only have one or two or three days cash on hand. I mean, a, a lot of them are really on the edge here. Uh, I'm concerned about uh, them facing the same things we were, we, we were facing. I'm worried about our population getting proper health care here. Uh, it's just a very, very, very tough situation. And it's, a, it's, a, it's a sad day for our county for our hospital to close. Steve Watley is chairman of the Randolph County Hospital Authority. Did You Wash Your Hands is a production of 90.1 WABE Atlanta, where ATL meets NPR. Special thanks to Stephen Key. WABE's managing editor is Alex Helmick. Scott Wolfel is Chief Content Officer. You can reach us at washyourhands at wabe.org. You can find all our episodes in your favorite podcast app, where you can also leave us a rating and a review. And you can find more stories on the coronavirus pandemic at wabe.org slash coronavirus. If you haven't recently, now might be a good time to go wash your hands. I'm Sam Whitehead. Thanks for listening. Have you donated to WABE yet? I know you've heard us talking about why it's important, but it doesn't have to be this big decision. You can give at whatever amount fits your budget. It can be a spur-of-the-moment thing. You already get so much out of public radio, so just go for it. Visit wabe.org donate and become a member right now. And thank you.